losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We are with a guest extraordinaire, one of the most all-time favorite guests of the Financial Quarterback Radio Show and podcast, Tom Hegna. Tom recently wrote a book, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Sounds like a TV show. He's going to talk about his background, helping people get ready for retirement paychecks and playchecks. But first, Tom, for those who are not familiar with your work as sort of a legend in the financial industry, talk about your background uh, for those who maybe have never heard you before. Yeah, so I'm originally from a small town in Minnesota. I went to college at North Dakota State University on an Army ROTC scholarship. I was commissioned in the military, spent six years active duty, 16 and a half years Army Reserve, retired as a lieutenant colonel. I spent nearly 30 years in the insurance industry. I was an agent, a manager, a national marketing manager. Uh, the last 15 years of my career there, I was a senior executive officer for a Fortune 100 life insurance company. I was really in charge of their retirement income push. And so I had to read up on all the academic research on retirement, you know, find the optimal way to retire. And there is an optimal way. And that's what my first five books were all about is how to retire the optimal way. Um, and now I wrote my sixth book, you know, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, this is for younger people, Generation X, Y, Z, and Millennials, because, you know, in order to retire, you got to have some wealth. And so I'm just sharing with them very practical ways on how to build wealth. And I believe nearly every American can become a millionaire, multimillionaire if they want to, if they seriously want to. I mean, I'm going to show you uh, the ways that people blow it. And, and I'm going to advise people not to blow it that way because, uh, you know, everybody listening is going to make millions over their career. You're all going to make millions. I got to tell you that. The, the question isn't how much are you going to make? The real question is how much are you going to keep? And too many people aren't keeping enough. And so I'm trying to, you know, get the news out there, how to build wealth. So two questions, how do people blow it? And also, how does everyone have the potentiality to become a millionaire? Well, you know, what's interesting is when I was an advisor uh, and I go to a, a ball game or something uh, or one of my kids games or we go to a party or something, somebody say, well, so what do you do? You know, some people say, oh, I sell life insurance or I'm a financial advisor or I said, I help people become millionaires. You tell me how many million you want and I'm going to show you what you need to do to get there. Because here's what I found, Josh. Ninety percent of the people out there think they'll never be wealthy. And you know what? They're right. And 10 percent know that they're going to become wealthy. And you know what? They're right, too, because before you can do something, you got to believe you can do it. And what I found is if I could show them with a piece of paper with their name on it, showing they could have a million dollars at their age, 65, all of a sudden they could see it. And when they could see it, then they can believe it. And when they believe it, then they can achieve it. Now, you know, 30, 30 years ago, uh, I couldn't illustrate stocks and bonds. ETFs weren't even invented yet. Uh, mutual funds couldn't illustrate them. There was one product I could illustrate, and that was cash value life insurance. So what I would do is I would simply solve for a million dollars of cash value at that person's age 65. 
Now, I'm not saying people should put all their money in life insurance. It was the only product I could show them that they could actually see themselves become a millionaire. But then I would take them over to a time value of money. And I would say, look, if you could get uh, 6% interest, well, then it would only take this much to become a millionaire. If you can get 9%, it takes even less. If you can get 12%, you can do it on 100 bucks a month. And all of a sudden, people would say, man, I could do 100 or 200, $300 a month. Well, over time, they can become a millionaire doing that. And once they could see that, then I was no longer, you know, some type of salesperson. We weren't pushing products. I was doing my best to help them become a millionaire. Now, I say there's there's three key things that you got to do to build wealth. Number one, you want to make more money. Number two, you want to spend more wisely. And number three, you want to put your money into appreciating assets. See, if you think about it, most people are putting the majority of their money into depreciating assets, cars, boats, jet skis, RVs, and even worse, they're taking out loans on depreciating assets. Think about that. So now they are paying more for something that's going down in value every single day. If you're taking out loans to buy depreciating assets, you're not going to become wealthy. Okay, depreciating assets, you want to pay for in cash. You want to save up and buy them. You want to put your the majority of your money into things that go up over time. Stocks and bonds and real estate and crypto, whatever way you want to do that, I'll leave that up to you. But you don't want to put the majority of your money into depreciating assets. That makes a lot of sense. What about people say, ah, this is like, you know, power of positive thinking, hocus pocus, mumbo jumbo. What do you say to that? Well, I'd say it worked for me. I'd say it's worked for a lot of people I know. I would say, you know, all you have to do is read The Millionaire Next Door. There's a whole bunch of books out there. You can Google janitors who become millionaires. There's plenty of janitors out there that became millionaires. There are people who didn't make much money, but they were disciplined and they were diligent. You know, I, I say most people could become millionaires except for two simple things. Number one, they spend way too much money on their cars. And number two, they get divorced. Now, we all know how divorce is like a financial nuclear bomb going off in the house. It's not good for either party. Uh, divorce is terrible, all right? But the one thing that most people are blowing it on is in their cars. They're, they're spending too much time trying to look wealthy instead of becoming wealthy. And I'll, I'll just give you an example because I, um, I'll give you an example of my, myself. Okay, so uh, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to buy a brand new Ford F-150 pickup for $65,000. Or I could buy one that was two years old with 13,000 miles on it for 30,000. Well, anybody who knows me knows I bought the used one. It looked brand new. It was awesome. Paid for 30,000. I took the other 35,000. I invested it. Now, listen to this. If I get 6% interest, all right, that thing in 30 years is going to be worth somewhere between 200 and 400,000. All right. In 40 years, it's going to be worth somewhere between 300 and 500,000. And in 50 years, that's going to be worth somewhere between 700 and 1.8 million. That is one car. That is one vehicle. Now, I'm married with four kids. I don't know. We probably had 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 vehicles. I don't know. But you start multiplying those numbers times vehicles, and you can see that it's the car that is keeping most people from becoming wealthy. You know, there are more people today that have $1,000 a month car payments than ever before. Think of it, more couples that each have $1,000. Now, so I did something crazy. I put the $2,000 a month into a time value of money calculator. I put it at 8% because I think 8% is fair over the long term. And in 50 years, that's worth $15.9 million. So I'm just telling you, people are driving their futures away. Wow. Driving their future into the ground with Tom Hegna talking about his latest book, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? 
Some of your books are for those nearing retirement. This is more geared towards uh, those who are younger. What was the inspiration behind the book? Well, you know, I have four kids and I, I, I'm in front of um, retirees all the time because I've spent my entire career helping people protect their wealth and distribute their wealth. But you want to know what? They've all got kids and they've all got grandkids and they're really concerned about their kids and grandkids. Many people say this will be the first generation that will not do better than their parents. And I say that's a bunch of baloney. My kids are going to do way better than me because I have prepared them on how to handle finances in this world. And so all I did was take the 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 things that I've taught my own four kids who are all being very successful and I'm just sharing that with everybody on how to make more money, on how to spend more wisely, on on how to not put your money into appreciating to put your money into appreciating, not depreciating assets. And so these are just simple concepts. You know, the rule of 72, how, how money fast money doubles. I teach them things like that in the book. Yeah, people need that. I, I remember one time our business, we hired somebody, nice young couple. They strived. They did what they could. And they acquired their first 50,000. I'm sure you remember what it was like to save your first 27,000. I remember for some reason, my first 27,000. I remember that took me a lot to build up my savings account to 27,000. And this couple had 50 grand. They put it in crypto uh, before the crypto crash and 50 grand became 10 grand. Um, they didn't put in the right ones, didn't appreciate, didn't even come back. And those types of mistakes that way people blow it, as you talk about, that 40,000 mistake, if you take that in a future value calculation, like I said, that 50 grand mistake could be a million dollars by their 65. That's what I love kind of about your book. And I think every young person should get it, parent for their kids, grandparents for their grandchildren, because a lot of people, they're getting advice on social media. They're not getting it from wise people like you. So talk about ways people can blow it. Well, you know, you mentioned crypto and it's funny because I I, I did a post maybe three years ago and people said, Tom, you must have got hacked. You said something positive about crypto because I, you got to understand, I was the biggest crypto non-believer in the world. You know, it's just the greater fool theory. What's it worth? It's worth what anybody will pay for and nothing more. But I watched this CNBC interview with this guy who's really smart. And he said, I work with billionaires and multimillionaires. And all I'm trying to do is get them to put 1% of their portfolio into crypto. Because if it goes to a million dollar Bitcoin, they're going to be happy. If it goes to zero, it won't hurt them. Well, that resonated with me. And I put 1% of my portfolio back when Bitcoin was like $2,000. And I'm very happy that I did. But 1%, you see, the people you talked about put almost all their money in there. You don't want to put all your money any one place. You want to stay diversified. And I talk about diversification and asset allocation. They're different. They're both very important. Yeah. And I firmly believe in the Bitcoin thesis. I, I don't know if I believe in the others, uh, but I, I certainly believe there will be some kind of new system of money that will, you know, I think it will be all based on Bitcoin uh, because of the miners and because of the the network effect. And there's 70,000 miners, I think between 60,000, 70,000 miners. It's been tried to be hacked, not been hacked, tried government takeover, hasn't happened. So I think it's kind of proof of work, proof of stake. And then you also have the fact that now governments are sort of embracing it. Hey, you know, if you can't beat it, even, even there's talk about the SEC allowing a Bitcoin spot ETF. That could certainly be bullish. But yeah, I, I would think, yeah, 1% would be a wise 
uh, stewardship play, not some irresponsible amount. Like, I mean, I remember going on social media sites, people say put everything in Bitcoin when it was 68,000 and then it dropped to 18,000 last year and people lost two thirds of all that they had. But I think I, I think more and more people need to know this stuff. So how do people blow it? Some other ways people blow it. Um, they just don't plan. They don't plan. They procrastinate. They put things off. And that's, you see, the one thing young people have is time. And the one thing you don't want to waste is your time. Even if you put 25 bucks a month away when you're in your 20s, because I say it's the money you save in your 20s that will allow you to retire in your 60s. If you're not saving money in your 20s, don't expect to retire in your 60s. You know, they're not contributing enough. They're not paying themselves first. You know, I, you've probably seen this. When I was an when I was an agent, I would drive out to somebody's house. I'd see they have two nice cars, a pickup truck, an RV, a, a boat. They'd have a satellite dish on the roof. But when I went to talk to them about investing, oh, I don't have any money. Oh, I said, no, you got money. You're just making the wrong choices. I said, what you're doing is you're paying everybody else. And it's not just the car, it's the insurance and the insurance is going right through the roof. So they're paying all these other people and they stand at the end of the month. There's nothing there for them. I said, my job is to move you to the front of the line. You got to pay yourself first. That's one of the key concepts. Got to pay yourself first, put your money into appreciating assets. Yeah. I mean, even I was thinking YouTube TV, YouTube TV is $72 a month, $80 a month. Then you have a cell phone bill. Then you then you still have the home phone bill because you're I don't know your your wife wants you to keep it just in case the kids need need to call you an emergency, and so people are paying minimum two fifty to three hundred a month just on their cable, then another two hundred dollars a month on their cell phone. There's a lot of ways to get that down. Uh, what are some tips? I mean, obviously cell phone, cable, one of them. What are some tips for people who are just saying, I, I'm I need help. Well, I think they got to work with a financial professional. I don't think it's a do-it-yourself project. Look, I know this stuff inside and out, and I work with two or three different financial professionals, okay? Because there's so many different products on the market, and they change every two or three weeks. There's no way I could figure out exactly which product would be the right thing at right now. I know I know, I need a life insurance policy, or I know I need a mutual fund, or I know I need an annuity. Okay, which one? You know, there's thousands of them. And so I think you need a financial professional to help you sort all that out. Um, I, I think that's one of the best things. But, you know, becoming wealthy is not hard. It just takes discipline. It's, you know, it's I'm a golfer. And I, I say the game of golf is very simple. You hit it in the center of the fairway, center of the green, two putts. That's golf. It's as simple as it gets. But ask anybody if it's easy. It's not easy, okay? It's the same with saving for retirement. It's very simple. There's simple things you can do. Is it easy? No, because you got to make tough choices. There's conflicting priorities. Oh, you want to go on the vacation. You want a new house. You want a new boat. You want a new car. You got to send the kids to college. You got to say thing about your retirement. You've got to prioritize those things. And, you know, I think too many people put priorities on short-term things and not enough priority on their long-term. You know, the only one that's going to take care of your older self is your younger self. And I'm just very happy and proud of my younger self that took very good care of me. No, exactly. We're with Tom Hegna, if you're just joining us, talking about his latest book, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And then also talking about general retirement planning tips. He's a master in the world of retirement income, says things very succinctly, kind of makes a case for various uh, strategies in retirement income planning. So let's talk about retirement planning. How, how does one 
uh, conduct themselves in such a way to ensure a financially secure retirement? Well, you know, um, I wrote a book called Don't Worry, Retire Happy, and that was on PBS and 80 million homes in the U.S. and Canada. And it was seven simple steps. So I'll just run through them very quickly, and then you can, if we want to talk deeper on any of them. Step number one, you want to have a plan, and you want to work with a financial professional. Step number two, you want to understand and maximize your Social Security benefits. Step number three, you must have a plan to protect yourself against inflation. Number four, you want to have guaranteed lifetime income in retirement. It needs to be a foundational part of your retirement. Step number five, you got to have a plan for long-term care. You need to have, um, and then you need to use your home equity wisely. All right. And then I encourage people to consider a hybrid retirement. That means that's what I'm doing. I didn't go cold turkey into retirement. I still speak a few times, but you know, I used to speak three or 400 times a year. Now maybe I speak 25 times a year and I'm doing some webinars and things like that, but I'm playing golf four to five days a week. I'm uh, I'm playing pickleball a couple of days a week. And, and my wife and I went on a Panama Canal cruise. We went on a, a Mediterranean cruise. We're, we're, we're having a lot of fun, all right? And I'm trying to show people that it's worth it to save for retirement because retirement can be an absolute blast if you're well-prepared and retirement can be absolutely miserable if you're not. And again, the only person that'll take care of your older self is your younger self. That's great. Let's move to the topic of annuities and insurance products. Annuities just came under fire recently for junk fees, things of that nature. Make a case for annuities as a retirement tool. A lot of people say they're bad for investors, things like that. I know more and more people are now saying that's not the case, but make a case for annuities in retirement planning. I'm certainly not hearing anybody now saying that annuities are bad. And that whole thing about junk fees, it's ridiculous because most annuities are not even fee products. I mean, really. And then they picked on fixed index annuities. That's not a fee product either. It's a spread product. Okay. So there's no money coming out of a client's account to pay off the insurance person who, who sold them in the annuity. Okay. The insurance company pays the, the the agent who sells the annuity, not the client. And of course the product's priced for that, but you can shop that among every, any other product, but there is no fee in, in most annuities. Okay, variable annuities have fees, some optional riders have fees, but a fixed annuity is not a fee product. A single premium median annuity is not a fee product. A deferred income annuity is not a fee product. A base fixed index annuity is not a fee product. So I think that's a weak argument. What I do is I go to the resources that don't sell any annuities. Okay, Ernst and Young, by the way, Ernst and Young is an accounting firm. They sell no annuities. They don't have any, you know, reason to say anything nice about annuities. And they search for the uh, the perfect portfolio in retirement. You can Google it. It's a whole white paper. Google Ernst and Young life insurance annuities. And what they found is the best portfolio in retirement is thirty percent whole life insurance, if you can believe it, thirty percent annuity, and forty percent investments. You can go read the white paper for yourself. BlackRock. BlackRock doesn't sell any annuities. They have $9 trillion in the stock market. They have more money in the stock market than Fidelity. They have more money in the stock market uh, than Vanguard, okay? You know what BlackRock says? They don't sell annuities. Here's what they say. Adding guaranteed lifetime income combined with a more aggressive asset allocation generates 29% more annual spending ability from one's retirement savings and reduces downside risk by 33%. That's BlackRock. On top of that, 
Delaying retirement and claiming Social Security benefits from 65 to 67 boosts total annual spending another 16% and reduces downside risk by another 15%. Again, you can Google BlackRock. The title of the article is How to Optimize Retirement Income. I'm not making this stuff up. Then you have PhDs like Dr. Michael Fink and Dr. Wade Fow. Here's what they say. If the reason you save for retirement was to provide a secure lifestyle, there's no more efficient way to create lifetime income than through an annuity. These are PhDs. Purchasing an income annuity with a portion of retirement savings can provide a higher potential for success, greater legacy wealth over the long term, and increased risk capacity. They go on. Income annuities are less expensive and safer for risk-averse retirees whose primary goal is in some income security in retirement. See, all the research that I can find shows that annuities need, they must play a foundational role. I don't sell any annuities. I own 12 of them. If annuities were bad, I would own zero of them. I own 12 of them, okay? They give me financial freedom. What an annuity does is it gives you the license to spend your money. Think about it. You spent your whole life saving your, your 401k and your investments. You're saying, oh, don't touch that. We got to protect it. We got to let it grow. Don't touch it. We got to save it. Don't, don't touch it. Do you think on your 65th birthday, you're going to wake up and say, by golly, I'm going to blow my 401k today. People don't do it. They can't spend They can't spend their savings. And so what you do is you take a portion. Nobody's saying put all your money in annuities. Nobody's saying that. But 20 to 40% of your portfolio is what the experts say. You put that into an income annuity. That check comes every single month. As long as you're breathing, that check is coming. And guess what, what you can do with that check? You can spend it. Because guess what happens next month? Another check comes and you can spend it because guess what happens next month? Another check shows up and you can spend that as well. And so the, the annuity frees you up to enjoy your life. So you don't have to worry about the market. You don't have to worry about what the Fed's doing or interest rates or inflation. Who cares? You know, and if you have multiple annuities, you can have increasing income for the rest of your life. A great answer. Where do you think these people get off on talking about them so negatively? Well, if anybody's talking about an annuity negatively, you know they have a conflict of interest. Maybe they're selling a mutual fund or they only sell managed money or they only do whatever, whatever, whatever they do. But they can't say they're working for the best interest of their client if they're not following all of the research. See, they, they're, they're taking on their own agenda, their own opinions versus I go with the math and science. If the math and science said annuities are bad, I'd be the first one to say annuities are bad. Math and science says annuities are, should play a foundational role in a retirement plan. So I go where the math and science is. Other people may have opinions, but you know, opinions are like mothers. We all got one and we all think ours is the best. I stick to math and science. I remember you saying one time that it was like a C-rated bond from an A-plus rated company, but I forget the saying. It was a good saying you once said. It, 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 an income annuity functions like a triple A rated bond because it's guaranteed for the rest of your life, but with a triple C rated payout. Because see, inside of an annuity, uh, and this is what people don't understand. When you're getting a check from an insurance company, an annuity, you're getting three parts. Part number one is principal. Well, anybody can give you principal. Part number two is interest or investment gain. Anybody can give you that. But part number three is the secret sauce that you can only get from an insurance company. And that's called mortality credits. And it's these mortality credits that are, it's a new form of alpha. We call it retirement alpha. It, it, it's extra money from the risk pool, the older you are and the longer you live. And what math and science says is if you have a retirement portfolio and you do not have any of these retirement, any, any of these mortality credits in your portfolio, 
That is a suboptimal portfolio. It's not saying it's a bad one. It's just saying it's not as good as what it could be. Because what the research shows, there are three reasons why you would want to put an annuity into your portfolio. Number one, it will increase performance and lower risk. Number two, you're likely to be happier. And number three, the research shows you're likely to live longer as well. So if you can get enhanced performance in your portfolio, you can be happier and you can live longer. I, I, I wouldn't know why anybody would turn that one down. I, I got 12 of them. I didn't turn it down. How do you live longer? I mean, I'm thinking of one client I had who came to me in 08. He was nervous as a wreck, lost a bunch of money in the 08 meltdown, came to me in 09, did not really even want to invest any longer. His wife was worried about his health. Today, he's still living in his 80s, thriving where he was so stressed out of his mind. He looks thinner, looks healthier. Is that what you mean? Kind of like the fact you don't have to worry about what the market is doing? Is that what you mean? Well, let me let me show you your research. So, so Freakonomics put something out. It was actually a University of Chicago study that studied people who bought lifetime income annuities versus people who didn't. And you know what they found? They found that the people who bought the income annuities lived longer than the people that didn't. Here's what Freakonomics says. Research shows that people who buy annuities tend to live longer, and not just because of the kind of people that have the money to buy annuities to start with. It's apparently that little extra incentive of the annuity payout that keeps people going. Now, if you've ever been around an older person, both my parents, you know, got old, they got dementia, and then both of them even had Alzheimer's. But when when they get older, their world starts getting very small, very small. And the fact that they are living longer to get that paycheck, because I know a paycheck's coming on the 28th of that month. They lived for one more month to get that paycheck. And then they got another goal. I think I can live for another month. And they live for another month. Now, the best article I've ever read on this subject was published a few years ago in the Journal for Financial Service Professionals. It was written by attorney Patrick Tricker. The title of the article was Annuities and Moral Hazard. Can Longevity Insurance Increase Longevity? Here's what he found. In the United States, a 65-year-old male who purchases a life annuity can expect to live about 20% longer than a 65-year-old male who does not. And the whole rest of the article explained why people of guaranteed income tend to live longer. Number one, they got less stress. They don't worry. The market's down 40%. They go play another 18 holes of golf with their buddy. And because they're being paid to live, guess what? Many of them choose to live differently. They watch what they eat. They exercise. They call the doctor. We're not feeling well. And all these dumb little stupid things tend to cause them to live longer. That's good. So if people listen to you, they may even just live longer. And happiness. Any studies on the happiness ideas? Yes. So, you know, the Wall Street Journal had the headline, and again, you can Google this. It's still out there. The secret to a happy retirement is friends, neighbors, and a fixed annuity. And what they found is that the happiest people in retirement were those who were surrounded by their friends and family who had guaranteed paychecks every single month. And if you think about it, who are your happiest retired friends? I bet it's your retired military, retired government, retired teacher, retired firefighter, retired policeman. Why? They've got pensions. What are pensions? Lifetime income annuities. That's what a pension is, a lifetime income annuity. So people of this guaranteed income are happier. Time Magazine found the same thing in Great Britain. Lifetime income stream, key to retirement happiness. A new study in the land of grumps reveals that retirees with a guaranteed lifetime income stream can find true happiness. So, I mean, it's documented all over. I have another one here from the American College. The American College has how annuities have made people happier in retirement. There's a lot of research on it. Wow, that's fantastic. Any other comments about annuities before we go to life insurance and some other of the tips in your books? 
I think the number one thing is you want to have enough guaranteed income to at least cover your basic living expenses in retirement. So really step number one, you want to figure out how much money do you need every month to live your retirement? That should be covered with guaranteed lifetime income. Now, social security counts because that's a lifetime income annuity. A pension counts because that's a lifetime income annuity. So you take the amount of money you need, you subtract out your social security, subtract out your pension, whatever that gap is, that's where the annuity fits as a minimum to give you a guaranteed paycheck for life. Then I also have some guaranteed playchecks for life because I don't want to just live a boring retirement. I want to have an exciting and fun retirement. So I have both paychecks and playchecks covered with annuities. Fantastic. Talk about that paychecks and playchecks comment. I love that was the title of one of your books. Well, yeah, that was paychecks and playchecks was my first book. Uh, it concludes with four very simple steps. People can write these down if they want. Step number one, you want to cover your basic living expenses in retirement with guaranteed lifetime income. Step number two, you want to optimize the rest of your portfolio to protect yourself against inflation. Because you don't just want to have income for the rest of your life. You want to have increasing income for the rest of your life. Step number three, you must have a plan for long-term care. No retirement plan is complete without a plan for long-term care. And step number four, the most efficient way to pass your wealth to children, grandchildren, and charities is with life insurance. I tell people all the time, don't leave your kids any money. You're not supposed to leave them any money. You're supposed to spend your money. Leave them life insurance because you can do that for pennies on the dollar. Now, I got four kids. So one day we we're sitting around saying, hey, how much do we leave the kids? My wife said, I don't know. What do you think? I said, well, if we bought a $1 million second to die life insurance policy, name the four kids beneficiary, when we're both gone, they're going to get a million dollars tax-free. That's $250,000 a piece tax-free plus whatever's left over. I said, let's start there. So we bought a $1 million second to die life insurance policy, name those four kids beneficiary. That policy is completely paid up. Do you know what the total cost of that million dollar policy was? $150,000. So now think about that. For 15 cents on the dollar, we get to transfer a million dollars tax-free to our kids. But here's the best part. Who gets to spend the other 850000 We do. Don't leave your kids money. Leave them life insurance because you can do that for pennies on the dollar. And you get people still, they, they, they want to cancel their policies as they get older in age. For some reason, that's a phenomenon. We get listeners, they call all the time, oh, I bought this policy 10 years ago. I want to cancel. Why is it that when they get older, they want to cancel their policies? There's just well, something know, that happens. It, it, it's kind of the Dave Ramsey thing. He says, only buy term insurance because when you get older, you won't need it. Then you'll be rich. Well, the problem is most people aren't rich when they're old. And I can prove that all wrong in one simple question. And here's the question. Who buys the biggest policies? Old, rich people do. See, if you didn't need life insurance when you're old and rich, why would old rich people buy the biggest policies? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, can you cancel your policy? Can you say, sure, you can, you can do that. But is that the wisest use of that money? Because that is leverage to go to kids and grandkids and then just spend all the rest of your money. No, absolutely fantastic. We're Tom Hegna. If you're just joining us, I'm Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We're with Tom Hegna, one of the legends in the retirement planning industry. And Tom's talking about everything from retirement planning for the younger generation to retirement planning for middle-aged people to even retired folks. So you gave us seven tips from the one book, four tips from the other. That's a lot right there. I'll probably have you repeat those again. The four tips from the paychecks and playchecks 
again was number one, cover your cover your basic living expenses with guaranteed lifetime income. Number two, optimize the rest of your portfolio to protect yourself against inflation. Step number three, you must have a plan for long-term care. And step number four, the most efficient way to pass wealth to children, grandchildren, and charities is with life insurance. Here's another thing I'm finding. I mean, I've been in the business for a while. And as people are aging, you know, they want to put money in trusts. Then they can't put IRAs in trusts. They can't, they don't want to put their bank accounts in trust because they still want control of the other money. The beauty of life insurance too, as people age, it's very easy to put that into a trust for Medicaid protection, things like that. Want to comment on that a little bit? Well, I mean, they even call life insurance the poor man's trust because a life insurance is a contract that will go the way that you want it. So, you know, for, for some people, they can just use a life insurance policy. If they're very wealthy, then they're using the trust to help, you know, uh, reduce estate taxes and things like that. And then you can buy you know, an irrevo- you can set up an irrevocable life insurance trust and have the life insurance pay off all the, the taxes so that your kids can get all the money. There's all kinds of estate planning uh, tools out there. And I don't get deep into estate planning. Um, that's what other people do. But I do talk about it in the books and I do mention it, but I don't get deep in the weeds because that's really what the attorneys, uh, there are plenty of books out there on a, on trusts. Yeah. And there's some very clever things you can do with even like spousal lifetime access trusts and all of those things. So let's talk about inflation. One, one of your second tips was kind of optimize the other portfolio, part of the portfolio against inflation. Uh, talk about that. So stocks typically go up in times of inflation. Real estate typically goes up over time uh, with inflation. Hopefully crypto commodities uh, will go up over time with inflation. And so you want to have some exposure to those things that will typically go up in times of inflation. You know, I'm going to be putting on my my 2024 economic commentary soon. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a left winger. I'm, I'm more to the right side than the left side. But, you know, on the left will always say, oh, it's corporate greed, corporate greed. That's why. We, but you want to know what? I got to tell you, there is some corporate greed out there because I went to Taco Bell. I got two chalupas, no drink. And it was like 1137. Well, I can promise you the beef and the, the ingredients didn't go up that much. I know they're paying a lot more in labor, but it's not that much. I went to Vegas. We went to the Sphere, a bottle of beer, 12-ounce bottle of beer, $18. That's not because the beer is expensive. You're not paying for the beer. You're paying for the Sphere, okay? And so there is there is a certain amount of corporate greed out there. And, and you know, a lot of people wonder, how can the stock market keep going up when everything's bad? Well, because... They raise their prices so much they're getting more money in it. So their stock prices goes up. So, uh, you know, $15 and $20 minimum wage is very bad inflation that causes inflation. We printed all that money. We printed like $5 trillion. We spent $5 trillion. That That was like, uh, Jamie Dimon says, like shooting an IV full of sugar in your arm and we're on this sugar high. Um, but eventually, somebody's going to have to pay the piper. We're $33 trillion in debt. That debt's climbing to $5 billion every single morning. Uh, we're going to pay more interest this year than our entire defense budget for Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Space Force. And interest, we get nothing for that. That's money that we borrowed, you know, years ago. It's it's unsustainable. So where is it going from here? I don't know, but I, I know I'm putting some of my money in guaranteed products. That's for sure. We may have cloudy skies ahead next year. Got the election coming up, all those things. Yeah. So it's important, your, your point, too, because you're not all into annuities and insurance. It's a mm. complementary approach yeah. with stocks, with real estate, with yes. inflation producing assets. And that's why when people say, well, annuities don't really keep up with inflation, people don't make that rebuke against the pension. 
You know, nobody says, oh, no. my, my pension stays level. They're happy they get the check. Yeah, that, that got me thinking. Comment on the knock on annuities that it, it, it doesn't protect one against inflation. Well, first of all, like I said, I own 12 of them. So I got some to start when I'm 60, some to start when I'm 62, 65, 68, 70. So I'm going to have increasing income. And most of mine are in Roth IRA, so it'll be increasing tax-free income for the rest of my life. Um, but there are annuities that will go up every year by 3 or 4%. There's some other annuities that anytime the market goes up, then the paycheck goes up a little bit. Um, there are variable annuities out there that can certainly keep up with inflation because it's your money's invested in, you know, they, they're not called mutual funds, they're called separate accounts, but they function very similar to mutual funds. And so they can keep up with inflation. You can put it into real estate inside of your annuity. You can put it into stocks inside of your annuity. So there are many ways to do it. But again, this is why I think it's so important to work with a financial professional. Retirement is not a do-it-yourself project. No, I think that's so good. Third point, long-term care. For some reason, long-term care, people just, I don't know. They get the heebie-jeebies on. Why is that so important? I know why. Because I just see clients, they get dementia, they get Parkinson's. Yeah. They get, I, I talk to, you know, one every week where there's some type of healthcare catastrophe and they didn't plan for it, even though they should have, even though they had the money. So it is the one thing most people forget about that can wipe out their entire life's work. You know, in Paychecks and Playchecks, I got a chapter on long-term care. It's called, What's Your Plan? What's your plan? Because if, if people have heard me speak before, they know I brag about my plan. What's my plan? I never have to go to a nursing home ever. I get to stay in my house till the day I die. The nurse has to come to me. You know why? Because I got a plan. I've got long-term care insurance with home health care. I get to stay in my house. So when people say, I don't want that nursing home insurance, I say, exactly. This is anti-nursing home insurance. This is stay-at-home insurance. This is stay-in-control insurance. Well, then they say, yeah, but Tom, that long-term care insurance is just too expensive. Well, here's what I say. If you think long-term care insurance is expensive, man, you ought to try not having it. I made my parents buy long-term care insurance 18 years ago. They didn't want to. It's too expensive. We'll never need it. It's an insurance company ripoff. My dad said all those words to me. I made them buy it. They were both in assisted living, $10,000 a month, $10,000. $10,000 a month. Do you understand there were years they didn't make $10,000 a year? They were teachers in a small town of Minnesota, okay? That would have wiped them out. I can't even imagine their retirement if they didn't have those policies. It is the one thing. You know, Barron's, which is an investment magazine, just came out and said, most Americans are going to need long-term care. There are many studies that say up to 70%, but even if it's 50 or 60%, why would you take a risk? I call it the million dollar problem, paychecks and playchecks, because for many of you, your long-term care is going to cost you over a million bucks. The, the inflation rate in long-term care is going up. They're having trouble finding caregivers. Uh, it's, it's a mess. Long-term care is a real mess if you don't have a plan. And I say any plan is better than no plan. So, you know, you can buy a long-term care insurance policy. More people now are buying life insurance policy to come with a long-term care rider because it does three things. Number one, it's an emergency fund. If you need your money, you can get it out. Number two, if you don't need it and you die, it goes to your kids tax-free and it's leveraged. And number three, if you do need it for long-term care, you have a big long-term care bucket there that can send you money for your long-term care. So that one product does three things in one. And there are even annuities now. There's even one out there that has, is a guaranteed issue contract that will give you a long-term care benefit. You could be in the nursing home right now and still buy that, that annuity, uh, and it will give you a long-term care benefit. So, you know, I don't care what plan somebody has, but they gotta have a plan. No, exactly. And 
I remember $10,000 a month was sort of the, the number. The number I'm hearing this week, last week, the week before, after talking to three clients, guess what it is now? New York, New Jersey area. $20,000 a month in Long Island, $20,000 a month, Staten Island, $20,000 a month, North Jersey. I'm sure there are places you can find 10, 12 grand a month. But the inflation on that number has doubled within the last 10 years easily yep. because, because of exactly what you said. What people are finding that there's a dearth of really qualified caregivers. The agencies know that. So they're sort of taking advantage. And there's only so much that Medicare will pay or hospice will pay. You know, that doesn't cover everything. Want to comment on that? I've even heard that some of these mom and pop long-term care places are hiring, you know, pr former prisoners because they, they can't find people to do it. And I've also heard that that robots are going to play a big, big role in long-term care. And I think that's a positive if they can get these robots to make sure the right medication is taken at the right time and deliver the food and deliver, you know, you want a, a coffee, you just hit the button and the, the robot brings you the coffee. So I think... I think there's some technological things that can help, but they're having some real problems right now in that whole caregiver industry. Yeah, I never thought about the robots, but that's probably a good idea. Robot would come in, kind of burp you, get you out so you don't develop bed sores. Yeah. Um, there might even be, you know, you, you get into something like, like a car wash and it just washes you, you know, for your bath or whatever. Yeah. I think there's going to be all kinds of ways that technology can help in the caregiver. Well, that, that that's actually a positive and then the fourth tip insurance we talked about, the best thing I think about Tom Hegna, I don't know if people say this, you know, your father, husband, all those things, I'm sure that's better than this. But the thing from a financial perspective that I like is how you kind of have these pithy sayings that make things memorable. I, I think it, it, it brings these ideas to life, like freedom from nursing home insurance. That's true. That's my, my plan. I went, I think I had you on years ago. And I went to my attorney and I said, I want this. So we embedded in my trust document that my kids and my wife don't get any money from my trust if they ship me off to a nursing home. So I have to be in the first floor of my house. I, I, they have to retrofit my house. There's plenty of money to take care of it from my life insurance with long-term care riders and all those things. And then they can spend it on whatever they want, but they have to take care of me. Well, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize long-term care insurance, if you have the right policy, they'll widen your door so that you can get a wheelchair in. They'll put bars on the hall. That they'll get you one of those things that rides you up the stairs and back down. You know, I mean, there, there's all kinds of modifications because it's in the insurance company's best interest to keep you at home too, because it's, it's cheaper for them if you stay at home, even if they do modifications, they get a walk-in bathtub for you and all this stuff. They will do that. Um, and so, you know, I, I always tell people, you want, if you're going to look for long-term care, you wanted to have home health care, because I don't want to go to a nursing home. I don't know anybody who says, man, I worked my whole life and I want to spend the last five years of my life in a stinky nursing home. No, I don't think so. All right. But that's where you're going to wind up if you don't have a plan. And, and I've got a plan. You've got a plan. And we plan on staying in our house as long as possible and maybe go to assisted living. There's some very nice assisted living, by the way, out there. I would not, it's kind of like being back in college, you know? Yeah. Some of them do look like resorts now. I, I saw yeah. one, a client just showed me today. It was like six, seven grand a month in Florida. It was, it was not a bad deal. They got like a movie theater in there, a bar, a restaurant. I mean, it's crazy. Some of these things. And it could be a good source. 
The other point, too, is your kids are not necessarily going to take care of you. <laughs> no. Comment on that. I've, I've seen more yeah. and more people say, oh, Johnny's going to take care of me. And then yeah. Johnny ships you in home. <laughs> yeah, the, the kids can't take care of you. They got jobs. They got kids. They, get, they can't. And then people say, well, Tom, my wife will take care of me. I said, okay, all right. I just need you to lay down over here, sir. Now, ma'am, just come over, pick him up and carry him downstairs, put him in the car. Well, I can't do that. Well, that's long-term care. <laughs> you know, that's long-term care. And the life expectancy of spouses who are caregivers drops dramatically. So, it, you know, and I tell people this, long-term care is not about you. It's about your family. That long-term care insurance policy is not for you. It's for your family. See, I want my family there to make sure the nurse arrives on time, that they're polite, that they do the right things. That's what the family should be doing. They shouldn't be giving the care. They should be supervising the care. Oh, exactly. Wonderful. So we talked about the four basic tips of paychecks and playchecks. The seven basic tips of the book. Don't worry, retire. Don't happy. worry, retire happy. You mentioned about using your house as a tool. Uh, yeah. Comment on that a little bit. Yeah. So for many people, their house is one of the largest assets they have. And I say there's really three ways to use your home equity wisely. Number one, you can downsize, uh, sell the house and move to Arizona where I live and, and, and have a happy retirement. But here's what I want you to know. If you're single, when you sell that house, you can capture up to $250,000 tax-free in capital gains. But if you're married, you can capture up to $500,000 tax-free in capital gains. You're allowed to do that every two years for your entire life. So, I mean, that's a significant break. You can take a loan against the equity or you can do a reverse mortgage. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about reverse mortgages, but uh, chapter seven of my book is, is about reverse mortgages. And I had Don Graves, who's a reverse mortgage expert, help me write it. Um, you know, it's interesting about reverse mortgages. There are people who say nasty and negative things about those too. But when you really do the research, if you read Dr. Wade Fowler, read Don Gray's books, there are ways to use a reverse mortgage that can way help you in your retirement. What I say is before you take out a reverse mortgage, number one, be very, very, very careful. Number two, work with a reverse mortgage expert. But I would read some of these books on reverse mortgage. They will teach you. It's not just a last resort. Dr. Wade Faust says you should use it early in retirement. Um, and I'm not going to comment whether that's good or bad, but, but I mean, the research supports the use of reverse mortgages in a number of different situations. No, fantastic. And, you know, what you could also do is if you have life insurance, which was tip four in the one book, you could spend your house via reverse mortgage. And there's this million dollar death benefit that could pay off the reverse mortgage. And then the kids could take it and... Yeah. Enjoy because, the house. Josh, just like the kids aren't going to take care of you, the kids don't want your house either. All right. That's they got true. thrown out. They would rather have the money. They would rather have tax-free money from a life insurance policy than your house. And people just can't get over that. But, you know, if you really think about it, how many of your kids are really going to move into your house? Probably not many. Yeah, very few. So looking back over your career, is there any prevailing retirement planning advice that you now view differently? You had a, what, a 50-year career? 40-year career? 40, at least 40 years, yeah. And if so, what has changed your perspective? Well, I mean, I really learned a lot about annuities, like all the ins and outs of the mortality credits and all this stuff that I that I'd never known about um, when I was in charge of the retirement income push for a Fortune 100 life insurance company. That's where I learned about mortality credits and all this stuff. Um, but now the rest of the world is figuring it out. And so I'm really happy that, 
you know, there's hardly any negative stuff about annuities anymore. The research is clear. It's unanimous. There's, I don't even know that there's any argument. Anybody who tells you annuities are bad, you know one thing about them. They don't know annuities because nobody who knows annuities would say they're bad. Now, there could be a bad annuity or two out there, but annuities are not bad, right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Now, let's talk about uh, behavioral finance. You talk a lot about psychic benefits. You mentioned happiness with annuities, things like that psychological aspects of investing. Talk about that for a second. I touched on it a little, that your whole life, you every two weeks you got something. It was called a paycheck. And what did you do with that paycheck? Well, you spent most of it. You paid for your house, paid for your car, you went on trips, you saved some of it, but you spent most of it, okay? What about your 401k? When was the last time you touched that? Oh, no, we can't do that. We got to save it. We got to grow it. We got to protect it. We can't touch it. So people go their whole year, whole lives not touching that. And then we expect that on their 60th birthday, they're going to wake up and go, boy, I'm going to blow my 401k. No, that's not how it works. They don't dare touch it. People with assets are miserable in retirement. They don't dare to spend it. Oh, we might have World War III. Oh, this inflation, you're bad. Oh, the Fed's going to keep raising interest. They're going to, they're going to cause the market to crash. Market's going to crash. And so they live what I call a just-in-case retirement. They don't touch their money. They don't touch money. And I said, wait a minute. You told me when you retired, you're going to join the country club. You're going to buy a new boat. You're going to go see the world. Have you done that yet? Oh, no, there's too many bad things out there. Markets too volatile. So they don't touch their money. They don't touch their money. They don't touch their money. Then they die. What happens to money? Goes to kids. What do the kids do with it? Oh, they join the country club. They buy a new boat. They go see the world. I'm trying to tell people, you should join the country club. You should buy the new boat. You should go see the world, Okay. And, and that's the that's the wonderful thing about annuities is it gives you that guaranteed paycheck or guaranteed playcheck for life. And that takes away all the worry. You can spend that money every time it comes in. Just spend it all because next month there'll be another check coming. And maybe that's why the investment, although you said BlackRock and Ernst & Young, some of these other companies are now turned on to the benefits of annuities and insurance in an overall retirement planning schema. But maybe that's why there's some negative press on annuities because if, if you think about it if if you have a million dollar portfolio and I, I think you've talked on this before when when you critiqued one time we critiqued ken fisher's uh advice that he would rather die and go to hell than buy an annuity and he probably will just by the way he probably will if you have that million dollars and you're earning whatever advisory fees of one to two percent a year and you put half that money in annuity or 30% or 40%, you've just cut your fee down perpetually. So I think the investment complex is often against the annuity complex and occasionally of governmental forces saying they're bad or junk fees or whatever. Uh, Comment on that. I agree with that. There are some advisors who say, I don't want to commit a new aside to my business that my fees will go, you know, I'll earn less money. That's patently false. And I can prove it to you. You know who one of the biggest annuity sellers in the country is? Fidelity. Fidelity is an annuity provider, but they sell a bunch of them because it's in the best interest of their clients. And you know what they found when they started selling annuities? The, 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 their client, a happiness factor went way up. So they got far less complaints. People were happy. And they their assets under management nearly doubled. So you know, these advisors who say, oh, I'm a fiduciary. No, they're not. If they're not using annuities, stay away from them if they call themselves a fiduciary. How could you be acting in your client's best interest when you don't follow what the research says is the optimal way to retire? So they're, I call them fake fiduciaries. They're, and here's what I've learned about fiduciaries. 
it doesn't mean they'll always act in your best interest. It means for your investment portfolio. They will do what's best for your investment portfolio. They'll try to find you the best mutual fund, the lowest fee, blah, 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 blah. But they don't care about your whole retirement. They don't care if you need long-term care. They're not going to protect you against that. They don't care if you die early and you have no life insurance. Oh, they're not going to do that. They don't care if you run out of money because their investments were bad. No, no. They don't have to care about that. That's not what fiduciaries have to care about. They only, they only these, these particular investment fiduciaries, all they care about is the funds and the fees and the performance. That has very little to do with the success of your retirement. You've got to look at the risks. What if we continue to have inflation? What if the market crashes? What if they double your taxes? What if you need long-term care? What if you die? They don't care about any of that. So how can they really be a fiduciary? They're not. They're fake fiduciaries. You mentioned national debt and the rising $5 billion a day. How can retirees uh, make their retirement planning more efficient from a tax perspective? You briefly touched on it when you said you, you personally own a lot of Roth IRAs to get tax-free income for life. But but I think that's a point that we we didn't really touch on big. Yeah. So I have moved more of my personal wealth to cash value life insurance, just like the Ernst and Young survey said you should have about thirty percent of your retirement portfolio in the whole life. Uh, my just you know my annual premium on my whole life policy is two hundred twenty six thousand dollars. So I'm serious about moving wealth into cash value life insurance because I'm trying to move as much of my money out of a taxable state to get into a tax-free state. And all that money that's in my policy, I can take out tax-free up to whatever I put in, which I, I won't take out more than that. And, and so any day I want, I can flip on a switch and another, I don't know, 10, 12,000 a month tax-free will come floating in. And, and that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to protect myself against the inevitable significant increase in taxes. And it's not a Republican or Democrat issue. It's a math problem. I always say we need a math party. We need a party that can actually add and subtract because I'm telling you, neither one of these parties can do it. I mean, what, what we're doing right now fiscally is unsustainable. You cannot keep spending twice as much as you're bringing in. You just can't do it. It's, it, it's going to blow up. Now, you're a big advocate for personal finance, education and literacy, which is really what prompted you to write the book, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, right. which is out on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And folks, if you want Tom's latest book, call us. 888-988-JOSH. We'll give it to you when you schedule and keep your no obligation review. Who wants to be a millionaire? Or if you just want to buy it on Amazon, you can, or you can go to your website is tomhegna.com. Is that correct? Yeah, tomhegna.com. And if you go to tomhegna.com, I'll pay the shipping on the who wants to be a millionaire book. And, and one other thing, Josh, people say, well, a million dollars, that's not what it used to be. Oh, I, I, I accept that. And I say a million may not be enough, but I will tell you this, the first million is the hardest. The second, third, fourth, fifth million come a lot quicker, but the first one is the hardest. And I just want to get people there. Yeah. And then I think, you know, if you get income off the million, you have social security, you'll be able to exist in a in a comfortable retirement in most places in the US, maybe not in the Northeast, but yeah, exactly. And there are places you could make do on, on far less. People don't realize that. Paid off house or whatever. Um, personal finance and literacy. What other areas did we not cover in that kind of genre? Well, I, I think we covered a lot. I mean, the, the one thing that most people don't realize is that almost all of them are going to earn millions of dollars. For example, if you earn 50000 a year and assuming 3% pay raises annually, you're going to earn somewhere between 3.7 and 5.6 million over your career. If you can, but if I can get you to 100000 you're going to earn somewhere between 7.5 and 11.2 million. 
If I can get you to 250,000, you're going to earn somewhere between 18 and 28 million. It's a lot easier to save a few million when you're getting 28 million than if you're getting 3 million. All right. So then the question is, how do you make more money? You got to find your ikigai. That's the secret. Ikigai, it's a Japanese concept. That's an intersection of four circles. So here's four things you might want to write down. Write down all the things that you're good at doing. What are you really good at doing? Write that down. And then write down the things you love to do. Because you might be good at something, but you hate doing it. That's not a good combo. So what are you good at? What do you love to do? What does the world need? And what can you get paid to do? And I'll use me as an example. I, I found my guy. People say I'm good at doing this. I like to do it. The world certainly needs what I'm doing. And I get paid very well to do what I do. So I found my guy. Think about all the people who are just stumbling and bumbling through life. They have no idea what they're here for. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what they're born for. They haven't found their ikigai. Mm. And then the other thing is I say there are riches in niches. Find your niche. It will make you rich. Mm. All you got to do is find a niche and be the expert. Be the expert in your whole state or county and you will become wealthy. That's wonderful. And I really like the idea of I saw some social media guy who said, when him and his wife were struggling in their 20s, and I found the exact same number because we're probably about a similar age, he lived on 30 grand a year, which is tough. So when they made that first 50 or 60 grand, they banked that. That's how I actually built my first 27 grand. And I find that when people make their first 50, they buy the new Civic, they buy the new Camry, they don't buy the five-year-old Camry, the five-year-old Civic. Right. And and your point of that, you know, 30,000 difference on the Ford F-150, you can extrapolate that for somebody in that 50 grand of income. Yep. That 10 grand in car payments extra, even if they're both frugal and spending $400 a month on car payments, if they can buy a used car for nine grand, you can still do it. I got an email yeah. For uh 2018 Kia, $8,000, $9,000, you can still achieve that. And now even less, because now you can get a cell phone bill that's like $10 a month from some of these carriers or $15 a month. You can do MVNOs. So you can easily find the money on three things. Cars, which you just brought up. Yeah. Uh, cable and cell phone. And, if, and that's how you find your couple hundred dollars a month to get your head start. But too many people want to, you know, sit in front of the boob tube and, you know, pollute their brain. I think too many people are trying to look wealthy and trying to become wealthy. I say, stop trying to look wealthy. I never cared what people thought of me. I always drove nice cars. Do you know, for 10 years in Arizona, I drove red convertibles. And what I do is I go find the nicest red convertible I could find used, buy it. And I drive it for two or three years and I'd sell it. And I could sell it for either the same or more than what I paid for because I bought it really smart. I sold it really smart. And I did that for a 10-year period of time where all I had for 10 years was maintenance and repairs. I didn't have any car payments. And I think that 10 years really helped me build some significant wealth because I did that early in my career and that money kept accumulating and growing and growing and growing. And, and uh, so, I mean, I'm not just talking the talk. This is the way I've lived my life. I've walked the walk doing this. I've shared this with my kids. I've shared this with, with clients, kids and grandkids. And it works. It's just common sense. I mean, there's no rocket science in here. There's no rocket science, but you want to know it? You put all that stuff together. It's a pretty powerful book. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And it's also featured on Fox Business. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, there's going to be a whole series of Fox Business shows on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. They really like the concept. And so I've had uh, 
I've already filmed, I think, four episodes, and I'm going to go to New York later this month to film a couple more, and then we'll see where it goes from there. And when will that be out for our viewers to watch? Uh, starting in December of 2023, there'll be an episode or two, and then in January as well, and it should continue. And then we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I don't have like a real sponsor yet, so we're just kind of doing it on our own. And and we get a sponsor, this thing could go uh, could go big. Fantastic. Who wants to be a millionaire with Tom Hagner? Or if you're nearing retirement, paychecks and playchecks. And then the other book title, I always forget. Don't worry, retire happy. Don't worry, retire happy. And that's a great, that's a great title as well. Thank you so much, Tom Hegna. Folks, if you like what you're hearing, you go to TomHegna.com, buy his books, he'll pay the shipping. Or you can call our office at 888-988-JOSH and we'll give it to you for free when you schedule and keep your no obligation review. Thank you, Tom, as always, for enlightening our listeners and viewers. Thank you, Josh. Great being with you.